0: Well, hello coaches, welcome to today's Real Talk. We are going to get real with you today and we're really excited to share this time with you. Boy, Tim, I'll tell you what, I've been your biggest critic when talked about your your playlist, but not only did you nail it, but you actually timed it perfectly. Um, So I actually have to give him props. I know it usually doesn't happen from me, but I'll give him props myself. It's um, hard to get better in Trans-Siberian. Um, so, well, welcome again, everybody. Uh, I'm here with my good internal house coaches and friends, Tim Mann, Lisa Barber, and Justin Weaver. And we are here to share this next hour with you. Merry Christmas. We're just celebrating early around here. In fact, we have our uh, Christmas party Friday in two days. Now Dave's actually given us a half a day off so we can prepare for it. How's that for a gift, huh? Not only do you get to have a great time together and wonderful hotel downtown Nashville, but you get to actually leave work early and get paid for it to celebrate and get ready for the celebration. It just doesn't get a whole lot better than that. But today we have an interesting subject for you. But before we get into that, I just want to uh, remind you that the chat box is there for you please jump in and uh, give us your thoughts and your ideas. And we want to hear from you in that chat box. We also want to make sure that everyone is using the idea of everyone inside that chat box. So you have different settings in there. And sometimes it's just post and uh, post uh, host and panelists. But what I'd like you to do is everybody where where it says two at the bottom of the chat. If you would go to everyone and click on that, we could all do that together on the count of three. One, two, three, click. Everyone. <laughs> and now when you say something, it won't just come to the coaching team. It won't just come to the host and the panelists. It'll come to everyone because everyone on this call needs to be able to see what you're saying. Cause I think it just helps everyone be able to communicate together as one big happy group. And so we're well, expecting a good group. We already what have another a good part with group. that, Les. Uh, Just a reminder, everybody,
1: when you go to watch the past episodes, you can find the chat log, but only the things that were written to everyone. Uh, Uh, So make sure that anything that's written just just the panelists, it's not going to show up in the chat log later on.
0: So we'll have a better record of what's being shared and what's being said. Yep, absolutely. Very good. Very good. So this is what we have today. We're going to be kind of digging deep, and we want to dissect the idea of two things. Number one, success. Just think about the idea of success. Do you believe you're a successful person in life? Do you believe you're a successful coach? You might be able to answer those questions in the chat box. Do you believe in success? And do you believe you're successful? How about this? Do you believe you're significant? Do you believe what you do is significant? Is there a difference? (laughs) You've got significance and you have success. Are you one? Are you the other? Are you both? Can you have one without the other? (laughs) Interesting. Well, we're going to get into this, and you know my fine friends here are going to dissect this, and they're going to do their little philosophy stuff because no one does it better than the three of these people with Tim, Lisa, and Justin, and so I deliberately said I would host this one because I want more time dedicated to the three of them because they're my philosophers. <laughs> and so I thought it would be better for all of you to hear more from them on this particular idea because this is this, this one's got my mind swirling ever since we talked about it about 20 minutes ago, but <laughs> that's how long we prepare. Um, no, we, we prepared a little. We gave ourselves a couple hours on this one, but this is what I wanna say, and I won't call you guys out, Gal, right? What does it mean to you to be a successful coach? What does that mean to you, any one of the three of you? I don't know yet. (laughs) And by the way, the coaches can put their questions in the chat box. What does it mean to all of you to be a successful coach? What does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, I think part of the reason it is so difficult is – and i saw that bruce had mentioned this already in the chat box if you if you listened to earl nightingale in the strangest secret he says that success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal mm. well if it's the progressive realization it means it's always in progress i don't know that i can say I, that i will ever have arrived at success because to have arrived is to no longer be progressing towards a worthy goal and if you're no longer progressing Then you're no longer successful. But if you're progressing and then you're not there yet, and then around and around and around we go. And so for that reason, I I actually don't know that I love the term success here. Mm. That could be talked out of that, but I, I do think that there's a challenge when we try to say, "I will be successful when," because if we get there and we don't set something new, we're not really successful anymore. So if I'm constantly having to shift and go after this, then success is a constantly moving goalpost, a constantly moving goal that i may never attain so how can i ever call myself successful and if that's the case is the real value in chasing after something that i can never actually achieve i don't know yet
0: Mm. all right one of you two got to help him out there what is success to you
2: i think one of the good ways we can look at any two terms that we're trying to juxtapose against each other is to look at some of the differences between the two And so when you've got success on one hand and significance on the other, where I go to is
0: success is usually- you you, you jumped a little too soon, but go ahead.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm gonna stay in success land. I'm gonna gonna try to stay here, but um, I see success as, uh, we often have measurements towards success. We talk about success metrics. Right, and we've even seen some of those in the chat box, like uh, debt-free screams, debt paid off, dollars saved, baby step, baby steps achieved. Right, there's uh, revenue generated. Right, I can leave my part-time uh, practice and go full-time with coaching. That could be a success metric, something that I'm working towards. Um, I agree with Tim in that it's it's hard to say I've arrived in in success land. Like, I'm, I don't have to do anything else. I think that can be a little bit of a danger, but also, uh, man,
0: so if, many if different su- things to think about. If you're successful, is that saying you've arrived? Hmm.
2: I don't think it's an ending point because there's always something else you can go on to to do more. And to do more and to do more. That's one of the problems with success is that anytime you achieve a level of success, there's always, to, to Tim's point, the goalpost moves and you can keep going. Uh, I was having a talk with Lisa about this yesterday, and we were talking about the more monster. And success it's- is is kind of like that. It's like, when do you achieve full success? Well, you kind of don't. There's always one more thing, one more goal, one more thing you can achieve. And it's like the more monster, the more I feed, the more monster, it it never gets full. And we can get trapped onto this hamster wheel of, well, I, I did this thing that I set out to do, but now I need to go do this. And now I need to go do this. And I think part of the problem is when we set our, our worth in success. And when we set the, the mm. measurement of our value in achieving a certain level of success. And so that's why I wanted to juxtapose success versus what you talked about uh, earlier, significance. And I think that's a great conversation we can have, but I, I wanna pause
0: cause I've said a lot. So I wanna let Lisa to jump in. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I can't wait for Lisa to jump in. <laughs> Lisa have you ever
3: been successful? That is not a fair expectation. Have I ever been successful? (laughs) Yeah.
0: How's that
1: for a question? Without context that's the (laughs) harshest question that may have ever been asked on this call. Have you ever been successful in your life?
0: (laughs) I'm trying to dig deep on this Mm, one okay. Yeah. Based on what they said that's the only way I could come to ask you have you ever been successful?
3: I I think what's interesting was, as I'm observing what's going on in the chat, and then also um, with Tim and Justin, is that um, I'm really grateful that I get to choose what success looks like for me. (laughs) Um, And that somebody else isn't superimposing that, right? Setting those expectations. um, Because we're going to Uh, if if, if we set, for me, for in my mindset, if I set success based on expectations of um, numbers and information and um, the news media and the, you know, here, get this one, what other people do or don't do. When I base success on things outside of anything I can control, very likely I will fail. I will be at very least. I will be disappointed. At very least, I'll be disappointed in setting my success expectations on things that have nothing to do with me. Um, you know, then we can get all spiritual on that also. But it, let's just stay in this flesh moment for a moment, because that, for heaven's sakes, we're not supposed to live in the world, but we do. Let's be honest, right? We got caught up in that comparisons and competition and uh, everybody on this call, if I were to say, are you competitive? If you said no, I I guarantee that's wrong. You compete with something or someone every day. Sometimes it's just ourselves, you know, I I, I, I'm going to do 20 pushups today. You know what? I did 20. So I'm going to do 20. I'm going to do five more. We compete with, with our own, um, expectation or ambition or, or whatever standard we set for ourselves. So this success thing, um, wow. I, I you know, if I'm not careful less, the way I feel about it, the way I think about mm-hmm. it is I could just fail all day long, all day long. If, if I don't, uh, it, it's kind of like to me, I, I anybody on this call has ever experienced real joy in their life. It's because they've experienced real sadness in their life.
0: Mm. And
3: so, when I'm I'm thinking about uh, success, for me to really experience success, I need to have experienced significance. Real success depends on significance. That's my, that's as deep as Lisa can go in this moment. Thanks.
0: What about failure? (laughs)
3: I, well failure i think is when i let me i'm talking for me y'all when <laughs> i let failure is when i let uh success become more important when mm-hmm. when i have lost my grounding my true focus um and and i and i and i and I, I look at the shiny thing i look at the I, you know, when I I'm, I was setting some writing goals recently and I want to do this and this and this and this, and then I went back and revised the goals. Okay. But I want to do those things, but I don't want to just lay down a rough draft. I, I So by December 31st, I'm I need it polished. I need it ready. Ready for what? Is what I had to ask myself. Significance, right? Versus the success of getting it done. Competition came in. And I just blew it out of the water to me that it it, it could have been a failure. It, had, I continued down the path I was on with that. It could have mm-hmm. been a failure because I would have done it all for me and I would have done it all because that's what I wanted and all because I, at the end of that, I was able to say, I did that. Look at that. I did that, you know? So, mm-hmm.
0: mm. yeah. Okay, so Justin, we struggled with the idea of success. Can you be significant? Can you state what I'm doing is significant?
2: I don't know about the question. Um, can, can, you, can you... Can you say what I'm
0: doing is significant? I mean,
2: I can say anything. I, th- I think <laughs> this comes back to the juxtaposition, I think, of the two words, right? S- success and significance. Because oftentimes those overlap, so they're not enemies of each other. But at mm-hmm. the same time, there's a difference between the, ter- the, the words two, right? Uh, think about it very practically. In a coaching session, I could sit down with a client and we could have a very successful Coaching session that may not have a whole lot of significance. Like, what what is what is a picture of that? What does that look like? Well, that could look like sitting down and working with and uh, adjusting the budget and getting on a financial plan and working f- through a few things. That could be a measurement of success. We're making progress. We're paying off debt. We're achieving the goals, and we're moving forward. We're getting better at communication with between the spouses. Those can all be successful things and lead to a successful session, and that could have even broader successes down the line as we continue to move through that process. But to me, some of those moments of significance, I, I think we, we tend to equate those more with the light bulb or the aha moments that we have with our clients. That's when life transformation happens. Those are the markers in our lives. Uh, you hear Dave talk about that when someone gets to the point where they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and they have that moment of significance in their life where they say, no more, line in the sand. I'm never going to use debt again, right? Those are moments of real significance. So I think, I think sometimes we as coaches can be chasing significance and really hungry for the significance moments. And we can miss out on success with our clients. At the same time, we can also be chasing success with our clients and we can miss out on significance. So I don't think this is an either or, I think it's a, I hate to use the phrase because I feel like it's overused, but it's a (laughs) both and. These things go together. There's some overlapping between these terms. And uh, I don't want us to miss that out on that. Neither one of these is our enemies of each other.
0: Mhm Well, oh, I know Tim, Tim is really waiting to get in. Okay, so. <laughs> well I, I think part of it is, is I'm not
1: sure I agree with Justin's last statement. and this is part of the joy of real talk is that you have four different people with four different opinions, we may not always agree across the way.
0: Um, and well, that's our life every day back here. <laughs>
1: that, that's also accurate. Uh, but I, I think where, where they become enemies is where we chase one at the exclusion of the other. And so it is very, very easy to chase after success. I'll buy and in that. So doing, miss out on significance, right? There, there's. I'm going to take a shot at potentially a, a low hanging fruit option here. You, you look at someone like Mark Zuckerberg, and who has created slash stolen depending on who you believe the idea for facebook and all these different things and and now the whole meta all this different stuff and this is a guy who has gone after an incredible amount of success and has billions and billions and billions and billions to show for it what is the significance of his life now has he brought some people together in some ways possibly has he also created one of the largest platforms for bullying for harassment, for abuse that has ever existed on planet Earth for humanity, also true. And so sometimes we can chase after this feeling of success as defined by the ability to do these different things, to have these different things, to have a certain economic standing, whatever that success is, but we miss significance. And you create something that maybe within less than a generation is gone. Because here's the thing, I I can name the guy who until recently ran Twitter. And now I can name the guy who currently runs Twitter. I can name Zuckerberg. How many here know the name of the guy who created MySpace? How many know who created Zenga, the precursor to MySpace? And so you you go not even a full generation back. This is my high school age before MySpace really took off. Right? And, and we may not know Tom from Myspace, but how many people know Tom's last name that found in Myspace? Within a generation, this thing that he created, he was successful for a time, but it is no more. There was no significance to it. At the same time, it is possible to become of unbelievable significance and yet to have what nobody would perceive as success. I think of a particular character in history who was well-known for not being successful. He lived in the desert. He ate locusts and honey and wore burlap clothing. He, when meeting his cousin, said, this is the person whose shoes I'm not willing to, or I'm unworthy to untie. This was John the Baptist, a man whose life ended with his beheading to please the whims of a queen. Not a lot of people are going to look at this guy's life and say, that guy was successful. He lived the life that I wanted to live. I want to live in the desert eating bugs, wearing burlap, and end up beheaded, my head on a platter. But to argue the significance isn't there does not hold up. This was the man who got to walk forth and say, like, the Messiah is coming, right? We're we're entering into the Christmas season some of us we've been full on in the christmas season since halloween struck midnight at that night put the candy away and got out the christmas trees maybe you're like me but y'all this guy had a level of significance in human history that most of us will never get to experience he got to be the one out amongst the people saying like messiah is coming he's here it's him this is the guy and and so what i'm thinking about putting this in coaching, I want significance more than I want success. I, I, I love to see those cool moments. I, I love to watch the debt free screams. I love to cheer people on. I got an email from a guy this morning saying he and his wife are $12,000 away from paying off their mortgage. That's exciting times, right? And as cool as that is, and as much as I love to see those things, that's not where I find my significance. For me personally, my significance is not found in somebody paying off their financial debt. It's not found in the budget. It's not found in these things. The significance that I find in coaching is when I see people's relationships start to change, when I see those moments where the emotion becomes real and raw and true and vulnerable, because I know that we're getting past the surface. We're getting past the things on this upper layer. We're diving into who this person is and where transformation actually happens. My significance I find in transformation. And if I happen to do that enough times and help enough people and and I become financially secure and even financially successful as a result of that, that's awesome, but I'm not chasing after that. I don't go after successes. I'm looking for significance and how do I get to be more significantly impactful in each and every person's life that I have an opportunity to have a conversation
0: with? Mm. I just thought you were taking a breath. Okay. Yeah. okay. I had to pause myself. Right. So, so I'm going to pull a Tim when he said he disagrees with what Justin just said. I'm going to disagree with what Tim just said to a degree. Go for it. Lisa? Did. Oh, no, you're. you're, you're, you're I agree with what Tim said.
3: Lisa, you yeah, so hold, hold on. Hold on.
0: I'm going to pull on. you in. I'm going to pull you in.
3: Okay.
0: I have a question for you. Was John the Baptist successful at fulfilling his calling? Oh, um, yeah,
3: I would say yes. Uh, my, my name's not in the Bible. <laughs> we all Mine is, but it's not me. It, that's, it, where I all, would,
0: that, that's where I would all, say John the Baptist was also successful, even though it seems tragic. That's what called. That's what God called him to do. And he did it perfectly.
3: Um, Les, I, I, you know, you're hitting something here and, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, um, even, even in this moment, you know, coaches, this is the best part of conversation, even though we're having four-way conversation right in front of, you know, 317 of our closest friends. Right. (laughs) And, um, but, but vulnerability comes there because, um, you know, when, when I, I, when I equate that, when I go back to what I'm called to do. And I can boldly say what I, what I think I'm supposed to be and who I think I'm supposed to be. But y'all pride enters in. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give lip service to my calling. Um, it, it's so hard though, isn't it y'all? I mean, cause it could happen. It, it, it's a snap of a finger. You know, we can go from being gruntled to disgruntled in just a moment. And that contentment of who we are and the peace about who we are and what we are, who we need to be, what God has called us to. And then all of a sudden, it's all about me. You know, I'm, 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 my chest is puffed up and my head is, but y'all know what a Southern girl looks like when she's, got something to say whilst her head is bobbing and the accent gets thicker and the voice gets, it didn't go up octaves. It gets lower. Y'all that's when, you know, a Southern woman's got something to say. And I can get that way in a heartbeat in a minute, less than a minute, a second, nanosecond. Right. And um, boy, oh boy, oh boy. That's when I know the Lord is sifting me in that moment. He's, he's, he's sifting, separating me, saying I, one can't be in the company of another, Lisa. They can't exist together because one is my light and the other is the world's darkness, and they can't coexist. And man, that was John the Baptist. That's what took me there. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was called to do and he was out preaching and people knew who he was. Cause first of all, you knew who, what he looked like. Cause John's coming, you can smell him from a mile away. Right? So he, people <laughs> knew he was coming. And then right? there's that. Yeah. Then there's that. And, but, but he, that's all he cared about. That's all he wanted. That's all he, he didn't desire more for his life than what God desired for it. Ah, for me to be that person who I strive to be.
0: Lisa, can you have, I mean, you can have anything you want, I suppose, but is, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it a good thing in your opinion to have significant ambition?
3: Hmm. Well, I feel like, first of all, the Lord created our ambitions. He, he created that and, and will continue. You know, he, he could change your, your call on your life day after tomorrow, right? And so he creates those ambitions. And again, if I, if I am kingdom focused with my ambition, then yeah. I mean, Les, you've probably heard that story I've told before. I mean, literally it was like an audible voice in my ear, a tapping on my shoulder where the Lord said to me, I, I love your ambition sweetheart, but it's, it, let's remember who it really is. It's mine. <laughs> I created it. You got to let me, you got to let me do this. You know, so can I have significance in my ambition? If in fact I've surrendered it to the Lord? Yes. It's the surrendering it to the Lord is, is, is where the flesh comes in, where, where me, where Lisa comes in.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about the devotional speaker today. Um, hmm. Y'all may know that on Wednesday mornings, we have company devotionals and we'll have pastors from all the churches in the surrounding area, Nashville, and sometimes they've visit from other states. Uh, but this one today, he said something. He said when he was younger, he said he really wanted to do great things for God. And he realized that that wasn't the right mindset to have. He said he learned as he matured through that that he wanted to do things for a great God and not great things for God. And so the great things that my ambition, or he, as he declared it, my ambition was about me. And he talked about you know, having like a big mindset, like me, I'm big, but we also can be wrong in being too small. And we gotta have that medium mindset. We can't be too big and we can't be too small. And so you we're not insignificant either especially as we follow God's lead and his calling in each of our lives. But um, how, about, how about you, Tim? Um, can you plan and is it okay for you to have a significant ambition?
1: Absolutely. Uh, and I, I put the first part of this uh, quote from Philippians 2 in the chat box a moment ago. But Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but instead in humility, consider others better than yourselves. When we put our focus in significance on not what can I achieve, what can I accomplish, what good can I create for myself, then and only then do we actually step into being able to provide significance in other people's lives. And only then can we actually really chase after a success that is lasting and the success that is that legacy kind of success that we're talking about. One of the interesting things is if I focus on my success, even if I focus solely on my own significance and how am I significant in someone's life rather than how can I be allowed to be significant in other people's lives, then I create a ceiling for everything that I do and everyone that I work with and that ceiling is my ceiling. And most parents, if they're decent parents, want better for their children than what they had for themselves. That is the good and honorable thing to do is we want the next generation to do better, to be better, to have better than what we've created. And if I search for my significance solely in what I'm able to bring people up to, rather than where I'm able to push people past my own limitations, then I've created a ceiling for everybody. And I will never carry anyone further than I'm actually able to go in my own particular scenario, which means I can't coach anybody who's further along than me, ever. I've created that limitation on myself unnecessarily. If instead I seek to be significant by being useful, if I seek to be significant by being available, if I seek significance by being open and vulnerable, then my opportunity is to push other people further than their ceiling. And then I'm actually doing something of value. Then I'm actually doing something I can really be proud of and not because of my own selfishness because there's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with chasing after dreams. Ramsey Solutions doesn't exist without dreams. Financial Peace University doesn't exist without dreams. None of the things that we're doing here together in these conversations exist without these dreams. They have to exist, but we have to go after them with the right attitude and the right humility and remembering where significance actually comes from.
0: So Justin, we're talking over 300 coaches today. And we're so happy, by the way, that all of you joined us because this is a conversation that's worth chewing on for a while, right? And so when we were talking about this earlier, Justin, we talked about the idea of expectations coming into this whole equation. So how does expectations play into the idea of success and significance? when we're talking to all these coaches?
2: Well, expectations can come from a variety of sources. You can have expectations on yourself. Those are internal expectations. Uh, You may have a a spouse or a family that has certain expectations of you to be be a provider at a certain level. Um, We talked about some of that earlier today. Uh, You may have expectations of family and friends that uh, are placed on you and that you place on them as well and expectations can really can really be something that calls more harm than good at times
0: mm, that's good
2: especially when they're unspoken like i, I know we're talking about these um, boundaries during this season alone but we can also apply the same type of metrics to your coaching practice, the expectations going into it. Um, You can have expectations of certain levels of success that you want to reach. You can also have certain levels of expectations for the amount of significance that you're expecting to hit. And sometimes those success and significant pieces come on our timetables of our expectations and sometimes they don't. And we can have a mismatch there internally and from pressure being applied to us outside of ourselves from other people or other systems or processes that, oh, well, I should have a certain level of success by this point. And that can cause issues for us, both internally and and externally. Um, Other people can have expectations that they put on us. And you can look at that from, you know, from holiday travel this season, amount of presents that need to be under the tree, um, gifts that you give to people <laughs> during this time, right? That's a common one. Certain certain budget items that we have to spend things on, certain amount of money that we need to make or not make, uh, certain number of clients that we need to be helping. There's a lot that can get wrapped up into expectations and if we're not careful our expectations can we can allow them to set for us our value and that's where we can get into a lot of trouble as coaches uh and just as people if not even coaches but just as people right when when we allow expectations either internally or that other people place on us determine our value oh that can cause a whole lot of problems
3: mm.
0: Mm. So, Lisa, you've interacted with our coaches for two decades now. How has coaches, in your experience, working with them and, and just engaging with them, having these conversations on these calls, and uh, even before that, they used to come here physically, and we'd hang out with them all week, right? And we'd have so many conversations. How has their expectations as coaches hurt them or help them in their idea of success as a coach?
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Three or four things (laughs) jumped into my mind on that um, right off the bat, but I'm going to (laughs) pick, I'm going to pick one. Um, And um, uh, sometimes it's limiting beliefs. We set our expectations based on beliefs that we've limited ourselves with. And, and that can do us harm, um, you know, and, and we can bring this into several different examples of what I'm trying to say here. And and that could even go back to family talk about Christmas, Justin, um, an unrealistic expectation I, I could have with my children who a couple live in other areas of the United States and they've got kids themselves would be this Christmas is Saturday, Sunday. Christmas Eve, Christmas day. It'd be fantastic. Y'all come. And I could set that expectation on them to come. They have children of their own. Why would I do that? First of all, that'd be a horrible grandmother in my opinion, but, um, but I could set that expectation selfishly. What's my motivation behind that expectation? So revealing searching my own heart for what I've superimposed but I can take that now into coaching you know setting an expectation of other people on other people um, an example of that would be meeting a client and we think they should you know, do that budget and start using the envelope system and they need to put their thousand dollars in the bank and we're walking them through the baby steps and then pay off debt. And we expect for them to do what we think they should. We, we put our expectations on them. And I saw it in the chat box over and over and over again. That coach is not meeting the client where they are. Coaches in the chat box are saying, I want to meet the client where they are. Well, are we meeting the client where they are when they're not ready to do any of those things?
2: Mm.
3: Maybe they have a baby on the way and they're scared. And, and they're, they're worried about, you know, mom, they want mom to take 12 weeks off instead of six. And and we begin to put our expectations on their life situation. Or maybe one spouse is prepared to become gazelotans and the other isn't. Have you ever experienced that, right? And we set, and, and this isn't just new coaches, y'all. This is, we we can all do this. I don't care how long you have been coaching. We begin to set our expectations on other people. And that stems from what I believe is putting, defining our success based on what other people do or don't do. You know, I'm going to be successful when this couple walks through the baby steps when they have a life situation going on right now, that's, that's not going to make them gazelle intense. That doesn't mean they won't walk through the baby steps. They'll still do it probably, right? But we have an expectation on them. And so coaches, we will sometimes set ourselves up for disappointment in the coaching world because we, we set ourselves up for disappointment in the coaching world. We, we did it. I do it to me. Nobody else does it for me. Mm. Nobody else does it to me. And and so I have to I, I I have to manage myself. I mean, if we're talking practicality, less is what you've asked about. I have to I have to manage myself and those expectations. See, the thing about my setting expectations on somebody else is that I now burden them. Burden, y'all hear that word? Burden. You ever been burdened by something? I burden someone else with what I think they should do. Hmm. Am I, am I being significant in that moment? Only mm-hmm. to me. It'd be a prideful significance. I think you should do this. You should do that. You should do, you hear it all the time. You'll even have clients come in and say, well, you my should. father thinks I should do these things. They've set expectations on that individual. And now that individual, whatever guilt and shame they were carrying before, they're really carrying now. So when coming full circle with us, the idea of honor and shame. I put a, I put a, um, uh, a James 4.10 in the chat box earlier. James 4.10. Let me see. I'm going to. Tim, you're usually pretty good at this.
0: Yeah, he's already on it.
3: Yeah, you got it. James 4.10. <clears throat> so that I hum- say it correctly.
0: Humble yourselves
1: in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you.
3: And that word exalt, exalt in the New Living Translation or in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew translation, Hebrew word translated, the word is honor, the exalt, honor, it will honor you. And in the Eastern culture, which, of course, by the way, is where Jesus was from. All right. So in the, in Jesus's culture, not the Western world, real, real peace, real peace. Restoration comes when we help someone lift themselves from shame and restore them to honor. That's justice in the Eastern world. Shame to honor. And if our significance can come from that, whomever we meet, then I'm going to define success from that. From that description from that descriptor and i'm going to be fulfilled probably very very joyful rejoiceful i will be worshiping in those moments and
1: i think so. one of the things that I, I want to hit on and based on some of the things lisa said some of the things in the chat box i think this is a really important thing for us to grasp not always when we meet with a client will they implement these things. Not every client is going to follow the baby steps. Not every client is going to actually walk through this process. One of the things I think is really, really important for us to understand as a coach is the client doing those things is not the primary reason that we meet with them. It's a reason, but it's not the primary reason. The primary reason we meet with people that we meet with people right where they are at. From a coaching perspective, biblical perspective or not, this doesn't change is because people can't do this alone. This is not a solo thing. Personal finance is not meant to be done by yourself in a vacuum. Humanity is not geared towards living in isolation in loneliness. In fact, John Deloney has talked about this uh, quite a bit in his books. And a, a lot of you have got to hear him speak. We are as a culture, lonelier than we have ever been in human history and our loneliness is killing us. And so sometimes the most significant thing that you can offer a client is not a budget, is not a way out, and some may even consider this borderline blasphemous, I'm gonna say this anyway, sometimes Mm. it's not even hope. Let that sink in for a second. Sometimes the most significant thing you can offer somebody is not even hope, it's connection. If you have a client that sits with you and you're able to provide a listening ear for an hour and for one hour, possibly the only hour of their year, possibly the only hour of their life, where they ever had someone sit with them and truly listen to understand and to feel with them what they're experiencing, not to take it from them or for them, but so that they can walk through this moment not alone and they can leave that hour knowing I had a real connection with a real person who understands what I'm walking through and I don't have to do this by myself. There are people who can help me walk through this. I can be part of a community in this process. That may be the most significant thing you ever give as a gift to anybody. And honestly, it's it's one of the most significant gifts that we can ever receive as people, is to actually be heard and seen and understood as who we are. And so when you can step in and offer that gift to somebody, it is spectacular. And the other things tend to follow. But if we don't build that connection, we don't have the chance to inject hope. If we don't build the connection, we don't have the chance to walk through their specifics. If we don't build that connection, we don't get the opportunity to do these other things. So let me start by being significant in my ability to build that bridge and to connect two human beings together because people are changed by interactions with other people.
0: Yeah, Tim, you tapped into something really powerful there. Because Dave himself has been famous of saying that personal finance is 20% head knowledge, right, 80% behavior. So we can be successful as coaches understanding their situation. I can ask the right questions, and I can understand exactly what's going on in their situation, and I could still be missing 80% of really what's going on, what's the why behind the whole thing. So when I'm, in, in essence, I'm not very significant in truly being able to help them, because I just, I'm successful at understanding their situation. And so, um, yeah, the relationship, the connectivity. Um, what, what do you think about that, uh, Justin, that idea of connecting? I know you're good at that, especially on your calls. You love to make that connection with the people on those calls. Well,
2: this is one of the reasons why if you hear us on development calls and all the other types of calls that we offer here, um, by the way, best part of our day at least for me, (laughs) is being able to talk with all of you. But if you hear us repeat over and over again, conversation, relationship building, and trust, that's where clients come from. Keep working on those things. Part of the reason why we harp on that so much is because what Tim just talked about. Without connection, can you inject hope in someone's life? I don't know that you can. Can you have significance in someone's life or success without having that connection piece? I don't know that you can. So sometimes we do talk about the, the big ideas, the big philosophies on these calls. But bring it really down personal for just a second, really practical. Have someone in your mind right now that you need to go have a conversation with you need to go connect with again someone who may have ghosted you for a while there's no reason to give up on them go reconnect with that person try once more and try once more and try once more until they either tell you stop connecting with me you silly goober (laughs) or they connect with you it's so important that we don't give up
0: Lisa, this is your rally cry (laughs) connectivity as a coach. uh, You've championed this idea uh, because people want a solution Mm -hmm. right away. And that's like a thorn in your side when when you coach coaches um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they just want a solution and they feel like they're going to be successful if they do that. But really, when when does the significance come in as a coach Mm -hmm. beyond just solving something right? When does the yeah. true significance come in?
3: Yeah, when we, we, Justin put in the chat box a, little, a few minutes ago, um, a little bit further up, um, the heart of a coach, mm. a heart of a coach, a coach who is filled with compassion, uh, a, a heart of a coach is, 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 is they're, they're judgment free and restoration there. It's safe. It's, it's a safe place. Uh, it doesn't say the heart of a coach is one filled with knowledge and information. It doesn't say that. And, um, that's, that there's a reason why the heart of a coach comes directly from the example of Jesus. And uh, in, in the, in the word of God, in the scripture. So, I mean, just blows my mind, blows my mind. It says that Jesus was moved by compassion for the things that he saw. Y'all that word moved. He got sick. That word means sick. He was physically, think about that. Your Lord was physically ill by the things that he saw people going through. And I, I don't care what it was. If somebody's sad, if somebody's heart's broken, if somebody's scared, if they're, imagine all those feelings. He felt them first. Then he went and did something about it. So when we talk about leading coaching from the heart of a coach we lead with that first from our heart and then from our head right if we lead from our head first we could disrupt that flow compassionate judgment free restorative we can re- we could disrupt that because mm-hmm. We've just focused on coaching a problem rather than a person. And they're going to feel judged, y'all. Whether you have a judgmental bone in your body, they will feel it. That's why compassion is so important that we match their feelings. When we meet, we're meeting people right where they are, right, y'all? Right where they are. And the other thing, I'm going to lead one more thing in there, because Justin, you almost made me weep, because it took me to a, uh, a memory and led me down the path. You said, we don't give up on people. We don't give up on people. So stop asking, well when do I start or you know, quit reaching out and calling that person, never give up on somebody. If, if people had given up on me and not prayed for my salvation? And, and rallied around me in, in hard times, I don't know where I'd be. I don't, I don't know where I'd be. Had, had people not done that for my husband, y'all, you know, he was saved on his knees in an office at Ramsey Solutions. If, if those people had given up on him, where would our family be now? You know, I don't even know what their jobs were. Those men who rallied around him, I don't remember what their jobs were Mm -hmm. here at the office because that doesn't matter. Their significance was what they gave to him. Unselfishly, without not one of those men have ever probably told that story, but I share it all the time because in my mind, they're famous. They are successful at what they do because they were kingdom focused. They did that because Jesus asked them to. He said, I I got a lost sheep and I need you to go after him. So those two things stand out in my mind.
1: It's important to keep in mind, the connection we talk about doesn't have to be somebody you know, close, personal, super well. Many of you have seen the significance of the life of someone like Dave Ramsey, even though most of you have probably Mm -hmm. never met Dave or had a significant conversation with him of any long amount of time, There's been people in my life who I have read their writings, who I may have met, maybe not. There's people who from the words that they've put to paper and the vulnerability that they've shown have given me a connection with them that has allowed me to experience the significance that they got to participate in. And so as we're thinking towards whether you're you're building your definitions for success, if you're thinking about how do I enhance my significance, think about how the people that are seeing what you're doing are going to respond because as you're connecting with real people and their lives begin to change, what's happening to the people in their lives? How significant are you going to be in the life of a child who is a small child who does not yet speak, who does not know your name, but they're going to see what mommy and daddy do over the next 20, 30 years, and their life is going to have been impacted because you didn't quit calling, because you didn't quit emailing, because you didn't say coaching is hard, I'm going to quit, but because instead you said, you know what, I'm going to be fully content, I'm going to be at peace, I'm going to be completely gruntled with where I am, I'm going to step in, work with people right where they are, and I'm gonna go after significance first and successful come or it won't, but I'm gonna be significant. I'm gonna be significant.
0: Justin, we just got a couple minutes. Lasting thoughts?
2: Well, I don't know. We've, there's been a lot of great stuff that has been said today. A lot of good thoughts to take away from here. I, I like I like what Lisa just said in the chat box what a season to self-reflect
3: mm-hmm.
2: I this season can be one of such busyness that we don't make time to sit down and reflect make time we all have the same 24 hours what are you going to do with it If you let busyness rule your life, you might get a lot of stuff done, but it may not have a whole lot of significance. So I I appreciate that we take this time to do Real Talk every two weeks or so, and we provide space for people to come in, join us in conversation, reflect, think about some bigger things, some deeper things. But take this. Don't Don't get off of this call in four or five minutes and get on to the next busy thing. If you have time, make time today to reflect on the things that we talked about, what impacted you, what resonated with you. If there was anything that particularly chafed you as well, uh, that's a a hint. Maybe think about that a little bit longer. Don't just dismiss it because it ruffled your feathers. That's what I would say.
0: Lisa, or was your concluding words what you said?
3: <laughs> yeah, I, no, I'm. um am I am I muted No, Look, I'm not. All right. Um, <laughs> that was a gift, y'all. That I wasn't muted. Um, uh, I, Dustin, yeah, just that self reflection thing. You're you're spot on with that. You know, um, I I have to work really really hard at keeping my spirit in check is this Lisa or is this, or is this th- what Jesus wants for me? You all have heard me use that phrase around here, Jesus in blue jeans, right? Mm-hmm. Being that person who just walks around and sees people, notices people. I'm not in a bubble. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm smiling at them. I'm making eye contact with them. That might be the only connection I do make with them. But, but you know what? For some people, that's what's important. You've been seen. You've been heard. I kept seeing that in the chat box too. I want to bring that back out too. Lots of these coach over and over again. People want to be seen. People want to be heard. Yes, they do, y'all. You, you got the opportunity to. My little granddaughter. I told this story. This this little girl, four years old, a a child of significance. We were at Waffle House for heaven's sakes. And people, as if y'all have ever been in a Waffle House and see the layout, we're, look, we're sitting at a table and she's all bucked up, you know, arms up on the table. And when people would walk through the door, she would say, hi, I see you. I love your shoes. She told one little lady, beautiful silver hair. Your lipstick is so beautiful. I mean, y'all over and over and over again. We sat there for 45 minutes while she did this with people. That, that was it. At four years old, she got it. She got it. You know, she's famous in my eyes too. Because she, she, she was living in her significance. Mm -hmm. She was bringing the joy as a four year old girl. Man, what will happen if I just live in my significance today? Not worry about Mm -hmm. any of my goals any of my to-do list, any of my, uh, my, my agenda. What if I just live in my significance today? Mm-hmm.
0: Good challenge. And she was significant because she was connecting, going back to Justin's point. She was connecting with people as they came in. Well, we had more fun that should be allowed today. Thank you, coaches. We really appreciate it. Um, we just love connecting with you, speaking of connection. And thank you for joining us today. If, uh, Just have yourselves a wonderful Christmas season. Merry Christmas. uh, Happy New Year. And we'll see you real soon again with the next Real Talk. Thank you. And God bless you, everybody. Which is before Christmas.
1: And we say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We'll see you again before Christmas. Don't miss it.
0: Thank you for that reminder.